0: hello everyone and welcome to rotating reels podcast i'm your host keegan tran and joining me today are my two co-hosts hank show walter i can dig him and taylor may hello (laughs) low energy as always i see so we do apologize we we pulled a little bit of a bait and switch for the die hard rotating reels fans for people that listed last week and you got all the way to the end, we announced that this week we would be doing an interview with a actor from the movie Prospect. And then our Patreon episode would be a review of the movie itself. We are switching things up a little bit. There's some scheduling uh, issues, you know, with these big Hollywood actors. Uh, Things (laughs) get moved around a little bit. So we will be doing just a main review for this week's episode. And next week's episode will be the interview followed by a Patreon episode of a Keegan week. So it'll be kind of a return to form. We're just going to do a standard uh, non-spoiler review and then... Uh, Spoiler review for this week's episode And again the movie is the 2018 film Prospect We're going to get into what we've been watching Really quickly before we do that Just really want to point everyone towards Our new Patreon that we released Last week, the website for that is Patreon.com Slash Rotating Reels You can sign up to be a patron there At the low, incredibly low Low, low rate of $5 a month Think of how how much much,
1: It's got to be more than
0: that I know. For $60 a year, you get <laughs> exclusive content. I think we signed up for, i we said two? Two episodes a month? Yeah, At least. Right? Nope. A minimum of two phenomenal episodes per month. We already did one last week where we had a top three of our favorite Versus movies. It's probably one of my favorite like short-form things that we've done. It's really, really funny. And inevitably, if you sign up for the Patreon, you will get to hear me convince these two idiots that the prequels are not really good movies and that the sequels uh in the star wars franchise are are not terrible movies and that they should be given a second chance
1: keegan we can't defraud people (laughs) we can't do that it's illegal we'll get in trouble out of their money yeah (laughs) you promise them something and we can't deliver it because the prequels are better
0: well hotly debated as, as you'll see but anyways uh We really appreciate the support. Before we get into this episode uh, reviewing the movie, guys, what have we been watching this week? I think Hank introduced himself first, so I will pass this to Taylor.
1: So I watched one movie because you guys talked about how great it was, and it was The Empty Man. (gasps) And I want to start with that because, man, I want to to do a whole podcast about that movie. You guys guys feel the same way?
2: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Do your non-spoiler do it. thing
0: that, right now,
1: though. Maybe that's a Patreon thing. No, I don't. I don't want to. Yeah, I'd, I. don't want to spoil it. But man, so you. I, I. can see how it would be a movie. It's not well reviewed, so I can see how it'd be a movie that a lot of people wouldn't like. But for me, I was like, if they, if you, they took their target audience and distilled it down as much as they could. It was me. Like you said, there's a bunch of different kind of movies within the movie. Every single one of them spoke to me. Every single one, I was like, yes, this is exactly where I wanted this to go. So, I loved it. Um, TV-wise, I watched more of the Un Village Francaise and uh, Rome, and then I watched two kind of documentary series. Um, first was Into the Storm, which I just finished today, and I don't I don't quite have a summary in my head lined up, because I just finished watching it, um, but really go check it out. It's about um, it's a documentary, kind of trying to figure out what QAnon is all about <laughs> and where that all started, and he goes and talks to the original 4chan and 8chan guys that own it, and all kinds of stuff he talks to he doesn't get to steve bannon but he gets to some other pretty high up um people in the trump world so pretty nuts i feel way more pessimistic about the internet after watching that um and then i watched the last cruise and i really really liked it and i thought it was really interesting how initially when kobe was first starting it was kind of like this is the world was going along for better or for worse and then a terrible thing was put inside of it and we just saw what happened and uh what was so interesting was that it wasn't immediately anybody's like fault there was terrible shit happening and there wasn't someone where you're like oh man the cruise line really screwed the pooch on this one so that was really interesting and so i thought that kind of seemed like it was very unbiased and just like a very pure portrayal of what happened through those um cameras so yeah and that's besides a movie prospect that's all i watched this week nice nice
0: did you know? So this this was actually pretty surprising to me about the last cruise. <clears throat> when I watched it, I thought it was a pretty like fair condemnation of the passengers in a lot of way. I don't think it painted them in a very positive light, because they were just kind of whiny <clears throat> buttholes while like people were actually suffering. And what I come to find out later is uh the married couple, not the like kind of Christian healer people, but not the, the kind of heavier set guy and his wife has MS and she yeah, gets yeah, pulled yeah. off the cruise rel- they executive produced that guy and he helped organize a lot of the passenger footage to get in the movie and he was like one of the creative minds behind the documentary which was shocking no to me yeah because I, I it didn't I, paint him in a great light at all he's like no. i don't like this dude it's cold
1: <laughs> i you know i didn't i didn't mind that as much as you did i didn't the passenger okay. didn't come off as super whiny to me because one, there's like apocalypse end of the world right outside their doors, right? When the Japanese government has them in quarantined, And so I was like, I would be pretty freaked the fuck out. Um, and then two, there wasn't really people dying yet. So like nothing really bad had happened. So they didn't really know. Um, but I, the only thing, the only single thing that bugged me in the whole thing was they put a, la- a cough track in at certain moments. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty positive. I, I didn't I didn't look it up, but it just seemed pretty obvious. Um, and so that was a little bit like I feel like I was playing like plague ink, you know, on my phone, <laughs> yeah. like there's just randomly people coughing. Um, but they could have said it was him. I don't think that would have attracted anything from the movie to say that no, they,
0: they didn't try to hide it. I was just very surprised because I didn't think it painted him in a necessary like I thought it was a somewhat negative light. Um, But to be fair, I think like if you had unedited footage of the stupid shit that I said during early pandemic, like I played so much Animal Crossing, I could pass out like, uh, you know, (laughs) it's not gonna make me look great either. So I I guess he probably deserves a little bit more, a little bit more.
1: I, you know what? When they, took, when they took his wife off and then the U.S. Army doctors are knocking on his door and he's like, we think you should go home. That's what's going to happen now. Or you can stay here. That's it. That's all that can be done. Yeah. For you. And he was like, oh, I guess I'm going to stay. I, I was like, <laughs> I was thinking if this was about like, if this was somehow the pre footage of like a zombie outbreak, like real real terrible shit yeah i if i was one of the passengers that was going with the army dudes and he was like i'm gonna stay i'm like you're dead like you're just <laughs> like all right goodbye." that's what a crazy story for that guy's life so just the doctor's so shocked he's like it? all right
0: i guess you're staying so uh try to stay safe and uh all right let's go to the next room guys
1: <laughs> I was like, Yeah. Oh, jesus that was yeah, I don't what what the fuck how the fuck would you figure that out? Your wife's in a Japanese hospital. <laughs> you're just randomly in Japan. You have no like uh and the covid things happening. I I would like to see the next like couple of months of that guy's life. Did he make it back? Are they still there? I don't know.
0: He produced the HBO documentary apparently, so he's not doing horribly. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's I mean still maybe still alive Tokyo. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> apparently. Hank it's this cry is cry for help at the end. <laughs> it's the last yeah, Hank is the last one to watch it. It's a it's a tight forty, man. It's a very very on brand for us. Yeah. Yeah. So, no,
2: I'll, I'll I'll get in there. I'll I'll check it out. I've got HBO. I'll give it a peek. Yeah. Taylor, anything else you want to
0: talk about before we pass to Hank? No, that's it. All right, Hank, arena.
2: All right. So, uh Taylor brought it up um into the storm, the QAnon one. I watched the first episode of that. I haven't watched the whole thing yet. Um but uh you know i've always been peripherally aware of that whole thing but i i didn't exactly go like hunt down all the q drops and stuff to read them myself because i was like <laughs> let's not let's not give these bozos the time of day this seems like some nonsense and after watching that first episode i'm like i i'm really disappointed in the sort of thing the sort of nonsense that people will like happily buy into um <laughs> it was yeah. you know kind of appalling to watch uh it's uh if, if you have any faith left in humanity, uh, you know, maybe not the movie to watch. Um, but uh, anyway, so I, I've watched the first episode of that. Uh, you know, obviously still got a few left. Um, I also started watching uh, another docu-series. This one's a Netflix one um, that I actually can't remember the name of, and I feel like an idiot, but uh, it's about uh, the... God, I have to look this up. It'll take me, like, one <laughs> second. It. Um, it's about an art thief. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, yeah. my mother told me about it. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's about the uh, Gardner Museum art heist that took place in 1990, mm. which was the biggest art heist, uh, like, in history of the world as i understand it um and it was really weird a uh, bunch of kind of unexplained stuff going on the the job that was done was incredibly amateurish in terms of how the art was treated um but whoever did it got away clean like there no one's been found there hasn't been very much reliable evidence about it um anyway the, Net, the netflix documentary is called this is a robbery awesome watch um really interesting case because what the fuck happened there like I have no idea um and then also uh they have a lot of shots that are within the uh the Gardner Museum itself and it's a really really cool looking place so in addition to being a really interesting story just fantastic visual watch through um so recommend that one pretty highly um outside of docu-series I've watched a bit more Forged in Fire um Man, that show's so fucking good. I love it. Uh yeah, so Forged in Fire, I'm on to like the last season that is easily available to me on Hulu, and I'm going to be sad when it's over. I I I really don't know what I'm going to do with myself. They've recreated <laughs> so many historical weapons. Some of them I recognize, some of them are completely new to me. They've tested them on so many pig carcasses and uh my life is just going to be so incomplete when i'm not seeing these you know like bearded burly men swinging recently made blades into pig carcasses just, I, I just i don't know what i'm going to do with myself but overall it's a good show uh would maybe still recommend maybe you could do it. that yeah maybe yeah, I've I've get into
1: blacksmithing.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll call him up. I'll be like, do you need someone to, to stab some carcasses or ballistics dummies? Hell, I'll, I'll stab anything. I'll stab my co-host. Um, <laughs> no, um, I won't actually stab my co-host. Uh, so anyway, watch that. Tried to watch Bob's Burgers, and they seem to have taken a one-week hiatus on airing the 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 current season. Devastating. Really ruined oh, no. my week. Um, have still not emotionally recovered from that one. Oh no. Um and besides that, I just watched Prospect. I, I honestly didn't watch anything else this week. I've been super busy playing the, the the recent remaster of Disco Elysium. Um can't say enough good things about it. Um, trying to convince my co host to do a Patreon episode, so I don't want to go into it too much, but fantastic <laughs> game. If anyone hasn't heard of Disco Elysium and you're 18 or older, you should go check it out. If you're under 18, it's got a lot of mature topics, and, and you know maybe maybe you should wait on that one. But uh, it's quite good. Um, but yeah, other than that, like I said, just Prospect uh, had a pretty light watch week. Uh, you can you can give me shit for that if you want, boys.
0: <laughs> no, I will. Yeah, I will not give you any issues. I also had a very light watch week as well. One thing I'll say, so I haven't watched Q into the Storm yet, but if you guys, if that's like the virus. The antidote to that documentary is a documentary called Feels Good Man. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but it's a documentary about Pepe the Frog, which was originally uh. part of like a webcomic. He was just a normal character, and then that whole Q crowd and a lot of like, 4chan and, and very seedy internet communities kind of took him over and made him represent some pretty shitty, awful things. And it's about the guy who created that character trying to fight for the rights for him back and to kind of push pepe into being more of an image for good as opposed to this just like awful ominous online presence it's like a, i think it's like a 90 minute short doc and it's really really good it's very lighthearted, and like you can tell this guy just loves his creations and he wants to he wants the best for it to not be spreading awful
2: conspiracy theories so oh very he, good
1: he, i think he lost that one though yeah he's he, out there doing terrible stuff yeah, <laughs> yeah. He,
2: he totally lost that but is that another hbo one
0: you know what? I don't know. Let me see if you swear it's streaming.
2: Don't even know. I know. Really recommend it and title. you can't even tell. Yeah, shut the At fuck At least they do the title. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: it's just it's uh, just premium VOD.
2: Okay. Just <laughs> so premium. You gotta pay BOD. to rent
0: it. Yep.
2: That's fine. Four I bucks.
0: So basically, talk. if you know, if we got a couple uh, Patreon subscribers, then uh, you know. This month alone, we could each pay for a rental of that movie. That would be.
2: Yeah, I can finally play. afford to watch it. <laughs> That's the only thing
0: holding you back. But, anyways, <laughs> like I said, I had a pretty light watch week myself. Uh, the only thing that I really watched was a little bit more of the anime Food Wars, which I can't recommend enough. Uh, it started out as just crazy borderline hentai and became a very heartwarming show about young cooks inspiring one another to uh, pursue their <laughs> passions. And it's. Uh, You know, my partner cried watching it. I got pretty choked up watching it. It's really good. It's on uh, a lot of places. I think it's on Netflix and HBO as well. Yeah, I've definitely
2: seen the thumbnail for it on Netflix. I might have to check it out. I've been needing my anime fix. I've been learning to read my hiragana. Um, So, (laughs) it'll be fun. Wait, wait.
1: So, the, the show that started with people eating food and having orgasms now is like a heartwarming story.
0: No, I mean the the orgasms continue. So just so basically, <laughs> it's called Food Wars because these there it's this esteemed boarding school where they're all young cooks, and then they have these food wars where they have cook-offs. It's like Iron Chef, and then the, it, like these the, the old graduating class is always the judges, and they're just essentially just, uh, for lack of a better word, just creaming themselves every episode. <laughs> like it's it never ends with the cheesy head tie stuff.
1: So, so so Harry Potter meets Iron Chef hentai, like all that just to get you to the hentai. Perfect. Yeah,
0: I, that's actually not a, that's that's a pretty good way to describe it actually. So that's a ringing endorsement for me. <laughs> <laughs> I would recommend it. Very convoluted um, plotline. Yeah. Like the only other thing I watched so a uh, friend of the show named Carlos recommended this show. He sent over the trailer and it looked really really cool. It is for a amazon original horror anthology show called them uh so similar Mm, to like the premise if you guys have seen like shutters channel zero the premise is it's going to be an anthology show where like each season is completely different and unrelated to one another but like isolated within the season the story is one narrative and so this first season just came out it's called covenant and the idea is that it's about this black family in the 1950s during this thing that was called the Great uh, Migration, where a lot of like black families moved out of the South because, you know, they obviously not a great place to be to be black during that time and started moving towards, you know, New York and California and Chicago and lots of suburbs to try to, you know, yeah. make new lives and, and explore those areas. And it's about this family that moves to um, East Compton in LA in the 50s. The husband is an engineer. He's like a very esteemed uh, like professional, has a good job and he buys a pretty expensive house there. The entire suburb is completely white. Uh, very very snooty and well to do, and not only is it them experiencing the racism of that, but it's also the house is haunted, and the narrators are unreliable, and so you're oh, no. also unsure if is what like is this a mechanism of the house being haunted or of someone being unstable or is this a prank that the racist neighbors are playing? Uh, really interesting. Like if you like to get out or us or like any Jordan Peele stuff, like the upcoming Candyman, like very in that vein of black horror. Uh, it's good so far. I'm about three episodes in. It's 10 hour long episodes, which to be honest, feels a little overlong. I think it could have been like maybe six hour long episodes would have been a lot, but I don't know that much. Maybe it, it picks up pace, uh, but overall I'm enjoying it. If you have Amazon Prime, it's like definitely a unique take. Uh, I think like Black Horror is kind of in, in its like resurgence. I think there's a lot of good stuff mm. to check out there. So,
2: Yeah, I've seen the trailers for that and I wasn't sure if I could check it out or not because I saw it was called Them and that it was black horror and like forgive me but i i thought it was like jordan peele's follow-up to us somehow i thought it was like us and them yeah. um just because they you know like the fonts and everything were similar but i saw it and i was like i ah, you know us was all right but i you know i wasn't crazy <laughs> about it um but uh, so I wasn't sure I was going to watch it, but then I saw it was something different. And I thought maybe it's just derivative, but hearing it's actually good, you know, I, I can be into that. And I really love anthology series. Really, really love Channel Zero. So uh, that that might that might push me over the edge to give it a give it a check out. Thanks for bringing that up.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it's a pretty fun watch. And then other than that, uh, nothing. Just prospects. So very very light. Sounds like for all of us. Cool. Well, Well, if you don't have, I
1: did watch uh, a lot of Rome. To be fair, (laughs) (laughs) it's tough
0: because you watch a show for you know five hours and then you get maybe like two minutes of talk time. (laughs) And what we've been watching on it, you really gotta stretch it out.
1: I literally every time I watch it, especially on a rewatch, I gotta pause like after a scene to just be like, "Let's talk about all the things that just happened here, like all the levels we were hitting at." (laughs) And then I think, how the fuck has Hank not seen this? This I, I just blows my mind every time. Yeah, that's
0: shocking to me. Actually, Hank, that you haven't watched it.
2: I mean, it's shocking to me too. But uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm going. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch. Hank, I don't know if you know this. T- I think
0: we we talked about this before you came on last episode. But the purple in our new logo, Taylor picked it. And Taylor, you should tell Hank why you picked it. He he did Hank, it for you.
1: You should recognize that. Oh, purple. I recognize
2: that purple. Yeah. yeah no. He knew. Okay. He knew. Yeah. All right. Unspoken tie-in. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, I mean, I mean, like a little bit more of like, like Eastern Roman, aren't, we, aren't we, aren't we thinking that? Yeah.
1: I couldn't find a color swatch that was really perfect, and I was like, Man, I don't want to be too purple, too Barney. You know, it's got to be a little red tinge in mm-hmm. there. So, yes, but yeah, see, but this I, is this is why yeah. this is why there's no conversation needed. You know? oh, I mean, I'm sorry. He's just, I... just debating I... what era I was going for.
0: <laughs> fucked it up. I should have known. All right. Anyways, huge thing. You know we got a great fiber artist i'll also say that so really like our new logo as well um but if we have nothing else then we can move into our uh non-spoiler thoughts of the film i will jump to the imdb page right now and read the blurb holy shit this is a long blurb this is the longest imdb blurb i've ever seen (laughs) i might stop midway if there's a spoiler a teenage girl and her father traveled to a remote alien moon aiming to strike it rich They secured a contract to harvest a large deposit of the elusive gems hidden in the depths of the moon's toxic forest. But there are others roving in the wilderness, and the job quickly devolves into a fight to survive. Forced to contend not only with the forest's other ruthless inhabitants, but with her father's own greed-addled judgment, the girl finds she must carve her own path to escape. That was actually really really well written.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great blur. very, Um, very good summary for the
0: movie. So... Yeah, Hank, do you want to kick us off? What do you think about the movie?
2: Oh man, I love the movie. You know, like I, I uh, honestly, probably my favorite movie we've watched so far for the podcast. It was real far up my alley. Um, you know, like I, I knew we were going to do an interview on the movie, and I was like, that's cool. And then I watched the movie, and I was like, oh my god, I wish we were doing a review. So that worked out well. Um, <laughs> Really liked the movie. We
1: liked it too much.
2: Yeah, you know, acting was great. Um, just the, uh, the visuals in the movie were great. It's all in the Pacific Northwest, which I know and love because I've lived here all my life. Um, the art direction is fantastic. All the sci-fi stuff that they do just looks phenomenal. Uh, there, there's really not a weak point in the movie for me. And at an hour and 40 minutes, it's like a pretty perfect movie length. Like, it's not that tight 90, but it didn't need to be. You know, I was there for it so really really liked the movie was really glad that uh that it got recommended
0: nice taylor how'd you feel?
1: yeah I, I i love it um this is my second time watching it and the first time was in theaters and like not the best quality so i didn't really get to appreciate all the dialogue the audio was like a little bit off um so watching it at home i think was definitely way way better because it's so funny that blurp you just read is a great summary of the plot like a better summary of the plot than than i would give but it misses so much of the movie because the movie is so atmospheric it's so it's not surreal it's not quite there but it's in this border where it feels very fucking real and surreal at the same time just like a little little hint of that um and so it's it's I wouldn't describe that movie in that blurb. If I was explaining it to somebody, I, would, I wouldn't describe it by the plot. So that's so interesting because um, there's, there's a lot of the movie that I really, really love. And I can nitpick it. I'm sure we get to not spoilers. I'll find like little things I would change or like want them to have spent more time on whatever. But overall, I, I think it's a great movie.
2: Nice. And so Keegan, what about you, though? What did you think?
0: Yeah. Thank God! You know, usually we get to this point where Hank and Taylor go. They like the movie, and then I, or, or they didn't like the movie, and I got to buckle up and get ready to to go into war, <laughs> to combat, to defend a movie that I did or did not like. But unfortunately, for thankfully, I don't have to do that this week. Uh, this is a really, really good movie, guys. Like this is, and it's a movie I think that was made for around four million dollars. Like the amount of quality of writing of design, yeah. So even though it's a movie that is made on like an absolutely you know, this is like—it's not like art student small, but it's a very, very small budget. Four million dollars is yeah. not a lot to work with, especially for how ambitious they are. Like, they do scenes in space. They easily could have done stuff that was just filmed in the Pacific Northwest, kept the yeah. budget short that way. But they, you know, it's—they it, start up there and they show the space station that they launch from. They do a lot of really cool designs with the ships, and there's some really cool interviews I've read where they talk about how the designer spent a lot of work, like just making the helmets, and like how all of that glass was super important to them. It's just a movie that like every single detail of it is so nicely dropped in, and it it doesn't feel like overly complicated or like they're just trying to be too out there in sci-fi. I think something I really enjoy about science fiction movies is when they blend just enough real world stuff that you understand and then they bring in enough stuff that's, like, alien, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. when you watch a lot of, like, new Star Wars movies, I know I defend these movies, but there's just these big screens, and people are just slamming on nothing on these, like, tablets, and they're typing away super fast, and it's like, what on earth are you doing? How would we ever get from (laughs) a system where we have normal keyboards, and you're slamming away on this hologram, right? But it's it's this mix of kind of, like, 2001 Space Odyssey, where it's, like, super manual, like, tech. These computers are, like very tangible and it's like the you know the green screen stuff like that all of it feels so like like relatable and understandable to my idea of like early space travel and on top of that like we had said like all three of the co-hosts are from the Pacific Northwest we spent a lot of time in forests that look like that Mm-hmm. but in you know in changing the color palette of the movie in showing a lot of filters that add like this dust over the movie and showing different moons and stuff like that it like it takes the familiar of what we know and just adds in enough weirdness to make it feel really alien and out there and odd so i i really enjoyed the watching experience like you said I think I, I think I can get caught up in like the vibe of a movie a lot. So if I were to like write a blurb, I, I don't think I'd focus on the plot that much because yeah. it's funny, I kind of was like re-jogging like my memory reading through that again of the plot stuff. But overall, love the movie. I actually don't know if we want to stay around in non-spoilers too long, if I'm being honest.
2: I have a couple more things I'd like to say in non-spoilers uh, just to try and get some people to watch the movie before we get to yeah. the spoiler section. So this yeah. movie, to me, like... I thought about how best to describe it in like, few words without giving anything away. And I think it's kind of like a, a love child between Firefly and the first Alien movie and let me get get yeah. get to why but you know it's like absolutely a western movie like firefly like you could have replaced the spaceships with you know like wagons like, it, like you could have changed very little and had it be a western movie and i was glad it's sci-fi because i like sci-fi but it was very western like firefly um they also you know just kind of uh tonally with the sort of stuff that's going on in there, very firefly-esque you know like there's like that occasional edge of humor, but there's still kind of like that gritty, you know, like we're out doing crime feeling. But then the alien part is the visual design to me felt really inspired by alien, you know, like all like these like hard input output stuff in the ships was very much like the Nostromo to me. And, uh, the, uh, the spacesuits there in reminded me of actually, they might not have been the spacesuits in alien, but they definitely reminded me of the spacesuits, spacesuits in Prometheus Um, Oh, yeah. So, yeah, take the gorgeous, you know, like retro futurism sci-fi style of Alien, mix it with that fun, gritty, like criminal western of Firefly, and then throw in some acting greats like uh, Pedro Pascal, and you get this movie. And it is more than the sum of its parts, even. And the sum of its parts would have been pretty great. Like, it's fantastic. You should go
1: watch it. Yeah, I, this was actually, Keegan, I don't know if you remember, but before we started the podcast, uh, we we're we, one of the first times we talked about movies, I was like, hey, I just saw this movie actually, Prospect, you should check it out. And you didn't, and I'm so glad. I'm so glad you didn't, because now I get to hear your like first impressions, which I think is, is usually the most fun. Like the most fun talking about a movie is right when you like come out of the theater, and I feel like there's some movies that you can still like that there's not a, a whole lot of nuance or, or questions to get into. And this movie's great because it's it's the best kind of movie for walking out of a theater and immediately wanting to talk because. The plot it, it has a very uh, reasonable Western style plot that like totally works. But the real strength of the movie is every single little thing. I wanted to know more about it, mm-hmm. just like an Alien. I wanted to know way more about the different technology or different things. And this movie kind of captures that and kind of the. It's obviously not as a uh, y of a movie as mm-hmm. Alien, but there's still like thrills. It's still like action and, and fear a lot of the time. It's kind of this really interesting mix. Um so I'm I'm really glad to talk about it especially in the spoilers to you guys about it cuz yeah. I have so many theories and questions <laughs> about stuff.
2: Yeah, and like one last thing from me before spoilers is what Taylor was saying about wanting to know more about everything. Like this movie such a triumph of world building because they tell you almost nothing but you still come out of it feeling like you got like kind of familiar with the world it's in just from kind of contextual stuff and then like they throw in enough that you want to know more, but they never get to that point where you're like, oh, they can't actually explain it because it's not real. Like, they never get there, you know? Like, they always have, like, just enough information that you're like, there's something here. I could dig more into it. And they just kind of, like, they tantalize you. They titillate you. It's good. Well, a lot of
0: times, like, science fiction movies, they'll drop that stuff just to drop lingo in. And they're like, hey, just so you know we're in a science fiction movie. We're three fracks away from the next (laughs) light year. And it's like, it's all this bullshit that doesn't really mean anything in their world. They're just saying it to the audience, right? But this Mm -hmm. is like, we could, we're just kind of there, right? Like all of these events, they feel like these conversations, nothing would have changed. This dialogue feels real to the world. And like, they're saying real stuff that they would, and we're just kind of quietly observing with them, which is like a very, very great thing to say. Uh, So yeah, the the last thing I'll say, oh, go ahead.
1: I was, I was going to say it's great because it makes you want to watch every scene. Every scene's rewarding, not just for the plot of what's going on, but like just to learn a little bit more. And then with the cinematography, there's a couple times um, uh, in the night, at the night time, I don't want to spoil anything, but at the night time towards the end. Um, Where there's some really interesting cinematography and so that combined with like you're using like you're following this interesting camera angle and you're trying to like read something on the patch of their shoulder because you want to like get a little bit so it's like every scene has so much in it that I want that is every next scene I'm, I'm excited for what it is so yeah
0: yeah yeah no last thing I'll say before we jump into spoilers and you guys can jump in at any point. Uh, I just am absolutely astounded by the design of some of the stuff in this movie I think we've talked about like the ships were pretty cool like like the, the pods that they're in like We talked a lot about like some of the spacesuits, but oh my god the gun design the pistol that they're using throughout the whole movie Like probably top three things. I would cruise eBay looking for <laughs> from like a set You know like something yeah, I'd want to yeah. buy at auction. It's like it's that it's like the glasses from Blade Runner like that gun with the the pentagonal shape down the chamber, mm-hmm. and her rifle has that too. This is, that, that you don't need that, right? Like you like on such a tight budget, you usually wouldn't be thinking to put that money into like a tiny handgun that we're gonna see for maybe three minutes of screen time. But the fact that they put so much into it, I like every scene that was in. I was just fixated on how fucking cool this pistol is.
1: Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Let's get into Willers. I want to. I want to talk more about that topic.
0: Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Taylor, you want to?
1: Tag off that uh, so the guns were actually one of my favorite props in in the in the whole movie um, Because they did so much so like obviously they're the weapon, right? So they're like they're a plot device That's like pretty important and they they got even that I want to talk about for like 10 minutes, but like there's an old line um, From literature, I forget who said it Hank you'll probably know uh, But if uh, you're writing a scene in a book and there's a gun above the fireplace inside the house um, That can you describe the gun that gun better shoot somebody Otherwise, don't mention it. Let the reader fill their mind with whatever's in the house. Yeah, and, so, uh, yeah, that's
2: Chekhov's rifle. But.
1: There you go. Um, and uh, the guns do that because there's so few props. It's mostly just nature that they're out with, and then so you get this, the whole movie. You get this sense of they're the aliens almost. this this nature looks kind of familiar to us, but they have to be fully fucking protected from what what's out in just the air, right? And so it's just them and. The guns are one of the other things that they have um and so just the fact that that was written that way is beautiful but the guns themselves are are gorgeous they look like this really exotic kind of bronzy goldish metal um and there's a brief moment when they're inside the ship when um, Pedro Pascal is recharging, I think she's doing it too, they're recharging some kind of battery thing to put in the gun. And so it just made me think that, yeah, if you were going to be somebody on a really isolated place, like fucking a space a, a, a spaceship, you wouldn't want to bring you wouldn't want a gun that needs ammunition and so this is like portable recharge ammunition so when they're designing this gun they got to think about this gun's going to last like 100 years out in the middle of nowhere so just all kinds of shit like that that just seeing them do this thing on screen of charging the thing tells you about this world that they're in um i just incredible just really incredible
0: what well, it's cool because they foreshadow it so much earlier too because when they're when they're in space the dad as you see them doing that motion and charging something you're like that's weird. Is he cleaning something, and then later you realize, because she's frantically doing it, that that's what they were setting up. Yeah. So cool. So yeah. cool.
1: Yeah, it, and it's like it. It's really western too, because you know, in the western genre, it's that world of they're in the desert or whatever else, right? And so it's just them and their gear. Every piece of gear is like one of the four things that they have. Um, so it's just like that. I, I think the the sci fi um, western like people like to call it like the crossover sort of these two genres. Um, but I think they're they're honestly the same genre with just different dressing. It's just different costumes, but the whole the whole like what what this environment does to these characters it's exactly the same.
2: Yeah, yeah it's it's you could almost just call it like the frontier genre. You know, like they're both yeah, on the frontier, go. and you know, like kind of the, the ramifications of that are the same in both settings. You know, it's kind of. I'm gonna use
1: that. I'm gonna use that, yeah. for that one.
0: No, like you said earlier, you are saying that, like, they are, I think the planet is toxic to them, and at every point, like, you know, we've talked in the past, we like the alien movies, right? Like uh prometheus and covenant and all those those later movies too but as soon as they land on the planet some dipshit takes his helmet off immediately and he goes oh there's wheat here that's a that's a that's a human you know we cultivated here and some stupid you know bullshit explanation they write in so that they can take their helmet off and the actors don't have to wear it anymore right but they commit the whole time and we're in spoilers now but there's a scene where we're in an interior shot and then you know our main character she breaks away she tries to run away and i just at this point expected she's in a hustle she's gonna be not wearing her helmet when we see her in the exterior saw as, she, as she's doing it she's breaking out of the tent and reconnecting her helmet to her oxygen supply and so it's like they really commit to this idea that the dust is super super toxic out there we see that later with Pedro Pascal's wound but i just love that we never see them outside without those sick helmets
2: yeah no they really committed to that and like even the few times where they're shown outside and, like, their, uh, their breathing hoses become disconnected or something. Like, they make it really clear that everyone's, like, really holding their breath, like, trying to patch holes or whatever. Like, they really commit to it. They got all of the actors to, to kind of act it really well. Like, it's not just implied through the gear they have on. It's implied by, like, the way they're acting as well. Just yeah. really cohesive and convincing. Really awesome.
1: Yeah. And, and there's so many um, things that they, that I assume they purposely chose that just add more and more depth and, and layers to these se- seemingly at first innocuous little things. Um, but, you know, they have tents. And so because it's literally a dust that's poisonous, it can be a pretty normal fucking tent and you're fine inside. It's not the air, it's the dust in the air. Um, and they have, you know, filters that they can use. And if, you start to think well if it's dust then a filter could actually probably do some work so it's not like some crazy future helmet that's like really small and fit and can breathe underwater for you and shit it like is all stuff that seems pretty reasonable and yet what the fuck just dust in the air and this entire planet kills you like it's so alien and at the same time so relatable in a weird way yeah yeah oh and then
2: you know just building on that dust thing there's the guy who's being executed in the end of the film Um, who's in the box where they're just like feeding the dust directly into his lungs like yeah what the they fuck? spent well, he's naked and pink <laughs> yeah he's naked and pink and they spent like all the movie like kind of building up how dangerous this dust is like people have to you know like wear helmets all the time they have to have air filters If they don't have a working air filter they need to connect to someone like it's such a big thing it has people tethered together because they're trying to avoid the dust and then there's this guy where it's just getting ah. like fed directly into him and you're like oh my god that's so brutal just well, super and, impactful and... super awesome
1: cool. <laughs> Quick, uh, this isn't this isn't like a, a, a Easter egg or anything, but the actor. <laughs> so this this prisoner they're talking about that is uh, just being force fed dust to, as a way to kill him, execute him, is fucking yoked. This it's dude big. is big, yeah. And so uh, the first time I saw it in movie theaters, I you know I stay and watched all the credits, and uh, his name, that actor's name, is Ben Little. <laughs> 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 okay. Anything but. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's built like Dave Batista. He's a he's a big, big dude. You you totally buy it when he goes full berserker on the yeah. entire camp.
1: And then just like just stuff like that. That at first, when I first saw it, I was like, this feels a little. It feels a little forced. But then they mm-hmm. make the prisoner a complex character, right? Because he like he kills the captors, and then he sees these two people, and he's like, Ugh. you know, he doesn't do anything. And it's like, okay, well, who's this guy? What's this guy's story? I want to know about the crazy pink. Guy. Yeah, and they gave okay. us, like, that
2: little tidbit about how it's, like, some sort of, like, a religious execution that they had to, like, take him off-world from his home planet for, and they were telling me about that, and I'm like, okay, what religion is this? Like, I don't think I want to sign up, but I'm curious, you know, like...
0: <laughs> But it's like so nice that they don't overly explain <laughs> yeah. it to because you're like, oh, the bababa bub people are deeply religious and they do this and it's part of their you know, birthright and it's all this stuff that they could add. Yep. It's just why would the merc know, right? He, like you said, I love the explanation. He's like, I don't know. It's fucking weird. They paid me a lot of money to bring him out here and do this weird <laughs> shit. Like, I'm not going to ask questions. That's such a nice, refreshing way to explain away that super weird
2: guy.
1: And it uses all, it uses, it makes all the characters more important, right? Because if they just, so you're, you're wondering who this guy is, and then if this rando uh, gun for hire just tells you, like, okay, well, the information I really wanted from you, I now basically have, right? So he's not important anymore. But by not telling you, like, well, it's his motivation. Like, what did he used to do? I mean, that um, same thing with the, uh, the female mercenary at the end. The minute I saw her, that whole going to that camp, I was like, this is a big tone change. I don't know. And I saw that that female mercenary and she's like speaking a foreign language and she's this femme fatale thing. And even with her, I I thought, man, they've built a lot of history into this character that does not have a single line that's intelligible to the audience it doesn't
2: speak anything resembling english but like it's really clear like she comes from some place that all the others are unfamiliar with she has some sort of a contentious relationship with the other mercs like she's clearly getting into arguments with them as well as with the outsiders like they tell us all this without having her speak and mostly without having anyone speak to her just kind of like through her her actions in and around it and then while we're on that nighttime scene at the mercenary base just kind of uh, watching the mercenaries do business uh with pedro pascal's character and uh the girl c when they rolled up was so interesting because you know like they're having this transaction where the mercenaries are like great you're here you can do your job you're late and they're like we need something else and the mercenaries are like absolutely not and the people are like well, we're not going to do it if you don't give us this other thing. And the mercenaries are like, well, we'll kill you if they don't do it. And then they're like, well, we won't do it if you kill us. And they actually, like, manage to break down the mercenaries that way because they do, you know, it's like this really convincing kind of, like, trade conversation where it's tense and, like, both sides have something the other side wants. And uh, at the end of it, you know, like, they, the, the, the whole deal ends up breaking down. And we don't really even like to put
1: it mildly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. To put it mildly, you know, things don't quite work out. They have disagreements, you know, there's, there's some, uh, you know, maybe some contention between the two parties, but anyway, it all ends up breaking (laughs) down. And, uh, it's just so convincing like how it happens like they made this deal and then it just kind of slowly falls apart like as like individual members of each group kind of realize they can't quite pull off their own ends of the deal um yeah just like beautiful chaos really cool uh closing scene and even though it was a tone shift it kind of made sense uh once you got there Like, it's like, okay, we're in desperation mode now. We need to get back into orbit. It makes sense that suddenly things start happening fast and this chaos starts kind of unfolding. Uh, Just really, really cool sequence.
0: You know why Hank liked that scene so much? because it's just really good role-playing conversation it's like oh we won't do this and hank's a pretty good dungeon master so that's exactly he'd it's go like away he's the mercenary
1: please.
0: yeah he's like well we'll kill you if you do that it's the back and forth of finally coming to something over multiple dialogue options i think that's why you fell in love with yeah. that scene so much but well, no it, it is really And fun. it tells
1: you the backstory of the characters too right They've, yeah this is not their first fucking rodeo with some shit like this well, why don't you drop the water
0: tank? Oh, well, we're we're just a scrapper. We don't carry water. Ta- you know, it's so cool. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. And it, it's it's also cool because they managed to like slip in little things about the technology. Like, obviously, weight limits are still a very real thing for the spaceships here. That's not something you see in like Star Wars. So that just tells you about the type of sci-fi no. that you're everybody you're in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. you know. Then they're talking about you know, like it really shows us like what kind of experience these different space-going people might have. You know, like whether they're familiar with just using the drop pods or actually flying the ships you know like just this really huge breadth of stuff they just kind of show you a glance of and move away and that makes it so tantalizing
0: i guess also on that note of just kind of showing you enough is is pedro pascal's partner a robot i feel like we're never shown either way because he just has this giant black box on his head and earlier we see one of those discarded on the ground when they first land on this planet it, with, without a body attached to it, so is it like is that a super intricate helmet or is that a robot head?
1: That so that's why I thought the first time I, I saw it. Um, and then this time when they're seeing the one on the ground, I noticed what I'm pretty sure was like skeletal gooey remains. Gotcha. Okay, so it is yeah. it, it is some kind of helmet. I, th- gotcha. I, th- I think so. I think so.
0: But that's yeah. the fun part. You watch it a second time and you're still yeah. kind of unsure, right?
1: Yeah. It's like it's that old school, like Mad Max, the original Mad Max movies kind of style where there's all this just absolutely bonkers shit. And you're like, I guess we're just going with that. I guess that's (laughs) that's life in the green, baby. Oh, man. And the
2: green. What a great name for kind of like this backwater they're in because it's like totally gets it. You know, like like, you know, like you you might say like in the (laughs) West in a Western movie, but like. You know, like the West conveys like pretty specific mental imagery to a modern audience. The Green does a great job of conveying like a similar amount of imagery, but still being kind of like a a catch all term. So, really cool uh, that they called it that the whole time, even though it's a small detail.
0: So, I guess world building stuff aside, what do we think of characterization? I think Pedro Pascal, while he's not the main character, I think we mostly follow along from from the girl's perspective, see, I think. Uh, Ezra is a huge part in this and kind of like sets most of the events in play with what happens with her and her father or, you know, him and and her father. What do we think about his character? Do we think his intentions are, you know, not as terrible as they eventually see? What do you guys think about him aside from his acting, which is obviously fantastic.
2: So I thought uh, his character was fun because he was like kind of the, the outlaw archetype from like any western you might watch you know like he's he's clearly not a good guy like the girl says it like you're a killer and he says yes i am you know just very matter-of-factly like he's someone that has killed people for personal gain he's you know clearly committed a lot of crimes he's found himself in a bunch of uh you know pretty terrible situations and he's had to do terrible things to get out of them you know you get all this But even though he is, like, this outlaw, they do a really interesting job of making you kind of sympathetic to him while never completely trusting him, you know? Like, there's always kind of... Like, they never make him just the most honorable outlaw he could possibly be, you know? Like, there's the offer to buy the girl, and he kind of hesitates. He doesn't just immediately go, no, of course not. He's like, hmm, I could really use all those supplies and money. Um, So, you know, like... I thought it was really cool because, you know, when you have an outlaw character like that, you either make him a total scumbag a lot of the time, or you make them, like, weirdly honorable for an outlaw character, and it's, like, totally just some weird circumstance of fate that they even have to break the law, but I thought they did a really great job of kind of straddling the line with him being, like, he is an outlaw, he's still kind of got, uh, you know, like, a reasonable element to him. And he's also got a lot of personality. You know, he talks in kind of a really flowery way without like totally overdoing it and making it sound like something no one would ever say. So I really liked Ezra as a character, though I will say when he first arrived and I heard him talking and he was doing like this, like cowboy poetry style of talking, I was like, ah, who wrote
1: this? And then I was like, oh, wait, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of those moments. And this is why I think this is like the first feature length film these guys did. Um, it's, it's two guys that went to Seattle U um, here in Seattle. And I think you can kind of tell that in some of the those those moments, because there's these when we first are greeted with shit, it often feels pretty like it's not working. It, it feels a little unnatural. Um, and then within seconds, it perfectly works. But there's that initial initial mm. moment. Um, which like, that's why I said, I'm going to nitpick. Cause like, come on, that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty weak line to draw, which just shows, I think how amazing this movie is, especially for, you know, if, if not their first feature length, like one of their first, certainly. Um, but th- for characterization, I, uh, I, I, first off, all the actors did a great job. Um, Sophie Thatcher, I don't think, I don't know if this was like her first big role. I think it might've been though. Um, and she does tremendous. I, this character I think is, is, I think it was probably written as, like, a pretty delicate character. Because if you do too much one way, it gets angsty teen, it gets uh, know-it-all, or it gets vapid. Like, there's a lot of... It's a real delicate kind of character, and I thought she did it perfectly. Um, Pedro Pascal, obviously awesome. And then um, Andre Royo from The Wire as Bubbles. Mm -hmm. He was always one of my favorite characters in The Wire. Um, Talked about a whole Patreon episode about The Wire, if you guys... I'm sure you guys have seen it, haven't you? I haven't, actually. Oh my, god, oh my god okay well you're gonna have to watch the wire now um but he plays character bubbles um is wire is a great show because sort of what hank was talking about with pedro pascal is that all these n- none of these characters are either perfectly good or perfectly bad well okay there are some in the wire that are perfectly bad but it's, it's this really interesting mix and the wire does it in such a way where every character you basically hate by the end um but you're still like you kind of you're very much invested in them you hate them like like a distant family member or some shit. I don't know, because you still want to know what's going on with them. And this—that's kind of the way they've done Pedro Pascal. And um, it's really interesting because he's—you know—he uh, seems to me pretty obvious that he's not going to kill or harm a, a, a girl in this place. He, he said several times, like, "I only did what people—you uh, know—if your father—if your—if your father didn't know he could get killed for stealing someone's stuff, then he had no business being in the green." Right. So he still has some sort of moral code of when he does violence, people that have consented to it in some way, whatever. Um, But I think that uh, the reason these kinds of those kinds of characters like I think of Malcolm Reynolds is another great example. We've already dropped Firefly, but Malcolm Reynolds is much more of a cutesy character, I think, than uh, Ezra. But Ezra and and those kind of characters, they if they have a little bit of a moral code, you think, okay, this could be this could be me or somebody I know. But they're still breaking the law and they're getting away with it. And it's it's not necessarily glamorous, but there's some sort of romance and getting away with it. And so you, it kind of thinks, well, if they're related to me in some way, a relatable character, could I get away with breaking the law? You know what I mean? Like in different circumstances, could I be this guy? So I, I, I think they did a really good job. He's like I said, he's, d- he's a darker character than Malcolm Reynolds, for sure. Mm. Um, but I. I was, a little, I was a little skeptical because I thought, why did we need the, spoilers alert, why did we need the father to die? Um, because he's kind of becoming this father figure to her. And we didn't paint the father as, as so bad that we really wanted him gone, right? We were still like, I mean, he seems like, he seems kind of shitty, but he's not like, you know, abusive or anything. Um, and so I thought maybe they should have just kept the father the whole time. Um, but having pedro pascal makes it darker right away it's like this is oh now it's really life and death like you, it was dangerous before now it's like you're this guy could kill you you don't know him mm-hmm. um so I, I i liked it in the end and i would watch another movie about the two of them like do they Absolutely. does he kind of become this father figure to her now that her dad's dead or do they split up i mean but the, the world they set up is ex- one i would love to watch another movie in yeah.
2: Uh, one thing I want to say about the father dying actually is uh, so a lot of the earliest scenes of the movie it's C and her father um, interacting and like it's clear they, they're very familiar with each other they really know each other's idiosyncrasies the movie conveys that super well and then the father dies and we get a scene of C running away back to their ship and when that first happened I thought that that might be the end of Pedro, of Pedro Pascal's appearance in the movie And they were just killing off the father, and it was going to be C, like, dealing with things on her own. But then they brought Pedro Pascal back, and I actually thought it was kind of brilliant, because her father clearly knew how to deal with men like Pedro Pascal, and she knew how to deal with her father very specifically. But, like, it was really clear that she didn't know how to deal with Pedro Pascal. Like, she had been near this kind of criminal underbelly but she wasn't her father, you know, like she, she, you know, she was familiar with like the operations of the spaceship. She seemed to know how to operate the gun, but it was very clear that like, you know, like she didn't know her dad, you know, was like probably going to die in the green, you know, like that. He says like your dad had no business being in the green. If he didn't know that could happen, it seemed like it might've caught her by surprise, maybe not completely by surprise, (laughs) but you know, like it seemed like, you know, she wasn't really making that uh, agreement when they stepped onto the moon. Um, I don't think he told her that shit yeah exactly (laughs) Um, and it was also clear that she was not with her father the previous time that he was on the moon you know that was kind of like something that he did before their time together but so anyway her being suddenly stuck with Pedro Pascal who's like just kind of an element that's completely alien to her life and then like them kind of interacting throughout the movie really really cool character development and then also a really cool way to kind of like unveil slowly things about each character because we have to kind of end up seeing pedro pascal from the eyes of this like tough but at the same time kind of vulnerable uh girl that's the protagonist but then we also like have to see her from the eyes of pedro pascal where he's like i'm not going to kill her i did just kill her dad and also i need her like because she has the equipment i need to survive she has the first aid stuff that she has the air filters like it was just really cool seeing like how each character kind of began to interact with each other and i think it killing off her father provided the, the 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 atmosphere where that could happen and if her father was there there would have been kind of like a throughput of communication because he's familiar with both those types of people um, but the fact that he wasn't there created that disconnect that i think is kind of where the viewer fit in really well yeah, yeah. i agree yeah
0: so i mean a couple lines that i really liked about some of the stuff you guys are saying when they're first interacting and she shoots him in their drop pod and their like you know she's obviously very distrustful of him at first one of the things that like really keeps him from being too far out in that outlaw realm is he's like you know he, he doesn't really necessarily feel bad for killing her dad because her dad was going to kill him potentially or he was going to take his entire livelihood. But he goes, I apologize for any part that I may have played in taking his life or taking your father's life away from you. Which is like, wow, that is stark and very matter of fact, but it does offer like a little bit of comfort in that he feels bad for taking away a young girl's father and provider, but he doesn't feel bad for protecting his own skin, which, you know, it's very like you guys have made other comparisons. It's very like, Han shot first era Han, you know, where he's like, I'm just kind of out for myself and I'm going to do what I want. But, you know, a little bit of a soft side so much as it goes for these people. But the other line that I really like when you were talking about how she doesn't necessarily, you know, interface as well with the mercenaries and the rest of the world that her father has exposed her to is when they first get to those mercenaries, and then they play that whole game of, like, we're not gonna do it. And then she's like, well, then we won't dig. And then Pedro Pascal goes, oh, no, 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 wait, 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 And he tries to play it a little bit more diplomatically to get to that point of where they finally, you know, we'll, we'll drop something. But she's, like, very matter-of-fact yeah. and just kind of naive in, in her sentiment, which I thought I, really I, I cool.
1: love that because that was him being like, this is much more serious than you think it is. Yeah. Like, we're not, we're not saying, we're not making any demands here. He's like, yeah, I, I get that you think I was bad, but these people are a world worse.
2: Like, yeah, yeah. And
1: he, and it's funny because you can totally tell that his first reaction to say that for his own protect his own self, like he is now scared that she has said that because <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, you're not saying the right thing. It was like, shut. No, 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 no. not right now, <laughs> yeah. not right now, not from you. Yeah, yeah,
0: that was really great. Uh, I well, another thing I really want to bring up with you guys is like how, just something I said earlier in pre-spoilers was like how familiar all of it feels like i'm so used to seeing these big trees and, and this like very familiar landscape but then the stuff that you see with how organic the world is like later we see these giant breathing gas pores, and the whole premise is we're pulling sperm roots out of the ground yeah. and then we're pouring stuff on it opening them up the to very carefully pull out a gem that is worth ten thousand per oh my god it's, and it's like you said it's one of those things where at first I was like whatever they were just very excited to have a practical effect this is goofy and gross and I don't like this but then it works and then you mm-hmm. realize this mm-hmm. is the reason why everyone's on this moon is because they're all trying to prospect for this weird ground sperm
1: yeah no exactly like the the first the first time you see the like the part of the root they're gonna like cut into it's all like gooey and like you're like ah this is i don't this is stupid this is gonna be gross (laughs) and then you realize that this like this is a they know it's fucking gross but they have forgot that shit like that's out of their mind because this is a fortune that they're getting out of these things yeah and it's like everything the characters do it's like it's it's treating these fictional characters with a lot of respect right so even when pedro pascal takes the time to spell out exactly how he feels about this thing when he's when he's killed the girl's father, um, it's that's the character having respect for themselves in a certain way. Like I'm not a throwaway character with throwaway lines, you know. Like I, I can actually it actually matters to me the character, right? And that's just so cool. And the whole the movie the whole movie is that we get some scenes with um, with uh, Sophie Thatcher um, when her dad's just died and she's back in the uh, in the spaceship and she takes some drugs that her dad was on and um at first that you know she's playing music and stuff at first that like didn't work with me both times that i watched it i was like ah, this always feels kind of like uh, i don't know um it feels too like teenage angst and she's just seen her dad die so like i don't know but the way they do it and she just was like throwing food i think against the wall and shit i first made me want to like wonder like, about that food you know so like just every little thing is cool and interesting um but it 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 made it portrayed her as like a real teenage girl, you know, in that like, yeah, she, she's can maybe do, you know, take some drugs, it's like a, a risk taking behavior type thing that like teenagers often do. Um, and that was just so cool. So cool to get so much of that, of these characters put into so little space. What do you, so I actually want to ask you guys, this is one of the main top questions I had for you guys. What do you think the gems did? Were they just, like, a beautiful thing, or were they, like, important for some kind of industry or something? Like Crystals or something. Yeah. What
2: do you guys think? I think, to me, it's most satisfying if the gems don't do shit except look pretty. If it's kind of like a a Blood Diamond situation, it's like, you know, this is clearly something a ton of people are losing (laughs) their lives over and it does not really matter you know it's not even like gold mm-hmm. which is like a great conductor you know it's just kind of this this you know in in terms of functionality somewhat worthless thing that's what i choose to believe the gems yeah. are you know this is all kind of a, a a farce yeah yeah
0: yeah no i i didn't have any ideas either i i mean i, I The main thing in the movie, you did think about it? No, I didn't. And I guess one of the things, I guess I will say that I did notice that I thought was really cool is the first one that they find is like an offshoot of a bad dig. And her dad goes like, oh, these are fucking amateurs. They didn't know what they're doing. He finds a little small one. And when she pulls it out, it's like, I mean, like a quarter of the size of her palm. It's like quite small. And the little sperm sack that it comes out of is like, I don't know, it's like the size of like a Nerf football. It's not very big. And later, when they go to the giant deposit, the the mother load or whatever it's called, like the they're like, yeah, the queen. What is it? The queen's Lair? No, I don't know. Yeah, something I think the queen's Lair.
2: Yeah, queen's Lair. What, yeah. Queen's
0: Lair. On, When they on. find it, they're like full on like NFL basketballs. Like I, that's such a minute detail. They could have just reused the same, like.
2: I love those NFL part. basketballs. <laughs> <laughs>
0: is that or, what oh he Jesus! Said? I'm an idiot. <laughs> oh no oh my god like Uh, a full-on nfl football because i know what that is (laughs) but yeah i they like it's so they didn't have to make a bigger one right they could have just made it so there was like a greater collection of them but the fact that there's like a ton of them next to each other and they're all freaking huge it's like oh yeah this is something that mercenaries would come to like actually gather so I i don't know shit about what they're used for but i thought that like their integration into the story was really awesome like i think they they like you said, they just treated him with respect. It's like, this is something that actually exists in this world. And, like, they're going to – and, you know, they're going to crack under the pressure. The dad was – he thought he was alone in a forest. It was fairly straightforward for him to cut one open versus, like, Pedro Pascal who has, you know, mercenaries watching him and he's going to be a little shaky hands. And, and he just had an and...
2: amputation. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We can talk about that. See, was horrifying. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, um – I also wanted to add that that first gen they find, the small one, um, mm. they have, you know, a couple lines of dialogue, which is interesting, too, that, like, that, you know, that's our first inkling of what the fuck these things are. Why the fuck are we here? Right. Which is the whole main thing of the movie. The whole movie is revolving around these fucking things. Nobody would be on the green if it wasn't for is, is it in the green or is, I think it's in the green on the greens like golf. No one's golfing in this other <laughs> movie um, is so they find this little tiny one and she and he's he says it's worth like ten thousand. Um, and she says, "Well, that'd be enough to like fix the ship because remember the ship has just broken down, so they can't even get off the planet. So it's gonna fix the ship. It's gonna get them back. It's gonna be like enough to get them back to where they were before this whole nightmare began." And it's like, okay, so these are these are important things. to worth a lot of money. My my theory and I want the, this is a theory I want to be true, not because the movie makes it seem like it's true, is that there's, so, there's some sort of energy consequence. There's, there's something these crystals have that is some sort of magical sci-fi thing. I don't know, which is very different than the tone of the rest of the movie, which is why it's probably not true. It's probably just like a, <laughs> a fucking luxury. But I want more movies, and if you're going to do more movies, you kind of got to have, like it's hard to do a bunch of movies that are all about like backwater worlds and stuff. We want to learn more about the center. They have one line about, that's like get back to central money. Yeah, that's it that's yeah. all we know that's all we know about the wider world is central you know like it can't be um, something
0: that's so easily devalued right like it has to be like a natural resource that's like a transferable credit across all these different planets that we could potentially see versus like oh these people think this is pretty for jewelry but you know price fluctuates yeah. kind of thing yeah
1: so it need it needs some sort of bigger plot around the thing and so mm-hmm. um I would, I would love that to be true. I would look, so you need Pedro Pascal and this girl to have become a little bit more important in the wider store world around them. If you're going to do a bunch of content about them, which I think they're probably not going to do. It's just my guess. Yeah. Since I haven't seen anything about them wanting to do more, which yeah. it's sad. So, <laughs>
2: This is uh, kind of turning on a heel here, kind of going to a, a little bit of a pivot, but I hope you guys will forgive me. I just want to say that as someone that's really into world building, um, as Keegan's mentioned, you know, I'm a dungeon master. I spend a lot of time doing, like, original settings, running role-playing games. And recently, I've been running a uh, kind of, like, gritty science fiction role-playing game. And the whole time I was watching this movie, I was like, oh, man, I got to take some notes. Got to take some notes. <laughs> um, like, it, and, you know, I... Uh, I consider myself, you know, like a pretty adept hand at world building at this point. And this whole movie, I was just like, "Oh man, maybe I should just quit. I'm never going to do it as well as these guys."
1: Um, oh, don't say that. No, not really.
0: That should be—that's th- the goal of every screenwriter. If you're doing science fiction, is you should say, "I want some nerdy <laughs> podcast host." To review my movie and say that he was so inspired that he wants to integrate this into his into his campaign
1: yeah i like, thought you were gonna say that the, the dream is to is to crush dreams of other of <laughs> other people from doing <laughs> no, art yeah, i was so like i enough. got all,
2: all these books just throw them out just <laughs>
0: <laughs> all i need is the shooting script for prospect <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah see if i can get my hands on like the production bible or something
1: <laughs> every campaign you do is set in that world that's all you do it's from all in now the green on. from now on i can't i can't i can't <laughs> top it i don't yeah. uh, uh, all right
0: i think we've do we have some start like heading towards final thoughts do we want to yeah. give some some final opinions i think we've done a fair job talking about you know the characterization this amazing world that they've built up i think it's pretty clear that we're all huge huge uh, supporters and lovers of this movie Kind of, you know, final thoughts. How are we feeling about this movie, Taylor? You you were the one that introduced me to it, at least. You want to give some final thoughts? Yeah. Um, and a rating as well.
1: Yeah. So my rating, um, I'm doing nine out of ten weird alien tree eggs. Um, so it's not it's not a, a perfect movie for me, um, and I it felt you know just to be a little critical for a moment. Um, it felt a little over long, and it was mostly the scenes that were just with C. Um, I and I think that partly slowed the movie down, which was interesting. It was a really interesting. It kind of made it feel more western westerny. Um, but I wanted to learn more about the world. I wanted a little bit faster pace, a little bit more action. So it felt a little over long. Um, and like I said, those the first time we were introduced to new stuff, it, it always felt kind of abrupt and kind of like it didn't fit in. Um, so those are kind of maybe even nine and a, nine, nine and a half weird alien tree eggs out of ten. I, 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 it's not perfect, but it's it's the be- the best you could want. Like you, I could never say I would not recommend this movie to anyone that's interested in sci-fi or even even uh, western. Not that I meet a lot of people that say they're into westerns. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it's cool that they have some big names in it that you wouldn't expect from, from such a, a small-budget film.
0: Nice. Hank?
1: Yeah, so I, I think anyone that's listening
2: gets the idea. I fucking love this movie. Huge Alien fan. This had kind of the aesthetic of Alien. It also was a world-building triumph-like Alien. Really reminded me of Alien a lot, but in the, like more of like a... <laughs> more of like a western type setting. So just really loved it. Have almost nothing bad to say about it, except that a couple introductions were a bit abrupt. Um, I actually kind of disagree with Taylor on the pacing. I really liked the pacing. I think that it supported what they're doing really well, in my opinion. You know, it kind of kept me like going with something long enough that it became familiar and then threw something new at me. So anyway, really enjoyed it. Um, and I think that I would give this like... 16 flowery space cowboy poems out of 17
1: <laughs> that's a lot of cowboy i like poems. it yeah that's wonderful
0: it's actually it was weird i after i watched the movie i watched a couple uh pedro pascal interviews and it's weird to see him speaking without some kind of weird inflection from game <laughs> of thrones to mandalorian to this he's always kind of speaking like a weirdo <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Okay, so I, again, I don't think I'm going to bring much new to this conversation. I absolutely love this movie as well. I had heard some good things when it first came out, and I, like, I always like to support movies that are shot in the Pacific Northwest, but, you know, a lot of stuff is, like, filmed in Georgia or filmed in L.A., obviously, so, like, the stuff that's produced there is usually a little bit smaller budget, more, like, student films or more, like, passion projects, so even though I want to support stuff like that, they're not always the highest quality, not something by any means that I would want to talk to you guys, talk with you guys on the podcast about. So I was a little bit hesitant. I just kind of sat away, rotting away in my Hulu watch list. And it sat there for so long that it wasn't on Hulu anymore when I went back to watch it. (laughs) And I ended up watching it on Netflix. Um, But it's just absolutely like a triumph of world building. It's insane what these guys do with the budget. Um, You know, $4 million has never looked so good. I think the script is just so airtight. I actually do think I side with Taylor a little bit on some of the pacing stuff. I didn't love throwing the food packets at the wall and it felt like it really slowed it down. And I also think before C meets up with Ezra and she's kind of like finding those spores and stuff, it doesn't feel like she's really gone that long for it to feel like she's in that much dire straits. It feels like she kind of just went for a walk to clear her head. But overall, it does not detract from the film in any way that I would make you, you know, or recommend that you not watch it because of these things. So overall, I think I would give the movie a final rating of three out of three and a half potentially drugged eye drops. Yeah, were they? Weren't
2: they? Oh, they were definitely. Dad was rolling on that fucking bed. Um.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, because she she gets kind of upset with him. She's like, "Well, you're I don't have the help that you do," and then he does them and cocks out in two seconds. So yeah.
1: Yeah, the, the set design is actually something I'm really excited to ask our guests next week about. So there's like a lot of stuff, a lot of questions that I have about this movie that I w- are like, I think questions for the people that wrote the movie or like God or something, you know, um, <laughs> but questions that we can get solid fucking answers on are the set stuff and the prop stuff and just how they did all that. Um, and, you know, any other kind of insights about the world or anything? Like maybe we can find out a little more of the backstory for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm yeah. really excited uh, for, ne- for next week's
2: what oh go ahead. oh i was just gonna say i'm excited too um i'm yeah you know, yeah you know, i'm curious to hear if they uh told the actors any more of what was going on or if the actors had to work with you know roughly the same amount of information the audience had um i think honestly either approach would be really impressive to me um so i'm excited for that yeah
0: definitely agreed what a wonderful segue guys into what our episode will be next week we swear well we can't swear we really really hope (laughs) that (laughs) we can hold our promise and we won't bait and switch you again next week uh so our main review for next week on the channel will be an interview with an actor from the film arthur durand arthur Durandlo. oh my god i'm so sorry i'll apologize next week when we interview him uh he is the child that plays the uh weird little instrument when they're in the tent and they find the people that have the juice. Um, the again, So again, it's a, it's a Northwest movie. He lives in, in Seattle, so he's going to swing by the show and, and hopefully give some really good insights on behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, that'll be the main review. But then afterwards on Patreon, we'll be doing a Keegan B-Week, and the movie we'll be watching uh, is maybe a little, little skewed towards Hank, I would say. Now, I remember specifically a while ago, you had said the words... Uh, what is it abject no never mind you you had you'd use some some terminology of how you like your characters to just be incredibly tortured and uh just sitting there very upset for long long takes so i was thinking i was like what's a keegan movie that fits in that realm that has a little bit of flair of the stuff that i like so we're gonna be watching a movie that i am positive neither of you have watched and i found this movie two years ago uh well two years maybe now after having watched Parasite, which won Best Film for 2019 at the Oscars, it's a movie that I think, Hank, I know Hank really likes, I really like, I'm sure Taylor likes it unless he has horrible taste. Uh, I was talking with a lot of friends about it, and a friend at work said, well, I liked it, but you should actually watch this Korean thriller. Uh, whatever, you're full of shit. So I watched it. Uh, I didn't like it at first. I thought it was really weird and pretentious and made me really upset afterwards, Ooh. but I, <laughs> it, it's... Actually something that like made me think about it a lot afterwards And I found myself like more down the YouTube rabbit hole with this movie trying to explore some of the themes and some of the Stuff that you see later in the movie. So for that, it's definitely a thinker and the movie's called burning It's a 2018 movie. It's on Netflix uh, And I'll read you guys the IMDB blurb So Jung Soo bumps into a girl who used to live in the same neighborhood as him Who asks him to look after her cat while she goes on a trip to Africa When back, she introduces Ben, a mysterious guy she met there, who confesses his secret hobby. And I won't give much more than that. The friend that she brings back, Ben, is played by Steven Yun, who is uh, from Minari this year. And kind of a a big name that's more on the up-and-coming side, but he gives an absolutely amazing uh, performance in that as well. So I really would love if people could hear this episode, but it's going to be on Patreon. So again, if you want to find us, that's at patreon.com slash rotatingreels. Anything else you guys want to wrap up with before we uh, wrap this episode?
1: Oh, man. The first question I'm going to ask Arthur next week is how his character's name is pronounced. Because they just refer to him as, like, the boy or the kid or something. And this list, he's credited as Fahir. F-A-H-R. <laughs> so I have far? I have no clue. No clue. So that's the first the first thing I want to know. And he better know the answer or I'm hanging up. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. Click, goodbye. <laughs> God, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry I brought that clown on. Doesn't even know the name.
2: <laughs> yeah, man, I'm excited for. You said that was called Burning.
1: Burning. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's on yeah. Netflix.
2: Man. Yeah. The the description. Yeah. I, I'm I'm I, I'm
1: intrigued. I'm titillated. So it's a scary. It's a scary movie. <laughs>
0: uh it's it's very much in the vein of like modern Korean thriller, where it's not it's not like in any way an in your face jump scare horror movie, but you okay. just kind of feel bad afterwards. Very like revenge focused and interpersonal drama. So.
1: Is anything happened to the cat? If anything happens uh, to the cat, I, I, can't, I can't watch
0: it. I, I honestly don't remember. So maybe. Okay. All right. Good. That's
1: fine. It's just, you know, if, right. it's, if it's in the blurb.
0: Yeah. Chekhov's cat, I guess. All right, guys. I think we're done with this episode. Uh, you know, we really encourage people also that if you want to write us a question, we will answer literally anything that you guys send us. That's rotatingreelspodcast.gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening. This episode's a wrap.
2: Hank out.